Greetings, everyone, and welcome to our 217faith.church weekly service. We greet you in the name of the Lord and hope that you will hear God's word today and be moved into faithful action. Happy 4th of July for those listening this message on U.S. oil. And for any others, please don't tune us out just yet. We will be speaking today about what we should do with the freedom that we receive from Christ in our daily Christian walk. This will be the first of three in a series tied to our message last week, where we learned to trust in God's GPS in our life. Remember, we talked about giving, prayers, and self-denial or service. As we do each week, we like to direct you to our ministry website, 217faith.church, where you may find previous services and other teachings to aid you in your Christian walk. Also, there you will find opportunities to put your faith into action. During the month of July, we are partnering with Open Doors USA to send crucial aid to persecuted Christians around the world. Please navigate over to our website and donate directly to this worthy effort. Help our brothers and sisters in the faith worldwide to know that we stand with them and want to bless them with more than just words and prayers. Our scripture for today comes from the book of Philippians chapter 4 verses 10 through 20. And the word of God says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concerns for me, says Paul. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content, I know how to be brought low and I know how to be abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, and I can do all these things through him who strengthens me. Yet, it was kind of you to share my troubles. And you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you and you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help from my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases your credit. I have received a full payment and more and will, will supply, having received from Ephroditus the gift you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to your riches and his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. What a great verse. And my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. There is a wonderful song that we used to worship God with a long time ago. I'm talking back in the 90s. Yes, a very, very long time ago from a man named Ron Cannoli. And in it, he would quote Luke 638. And he would say, give and it will come back to you when you give unto the Lord. You see, the concept of Christian giving, which we touched on last week's message, is not restricted to 10%, although this is a good starting point. It's a giving is based, you see, on our understanding that all that we have that has been granted to us by God, our provider, the creator of all things, chose to add us to his creation, and therefore he is the only one capable of truly sustaining our physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. As a result, it is the duty of every creative being, every child of God, every believer to joyfully give back, to willfully give and find purpose in their giving, to find hope in their offering, and to live in the joy the giving produces. How then should we give? Well, does God require continual animal sacrifice as we read in the Old Testament? No. 
because we can read in the book of Psalm and Hosea, especially in chapter 6, verse 6, where God proclaims, I desire steadfast love, not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. What God requires of us is obedience from a truly surrendered heart, one that trusts in his provision. This, by the way, is not a, a New Testament requirement. The prophet Samuel, again, warned King Saul in the Old Testament of this when Saul decided to go and do his own thing. Then Samuel replied, does the Lord want entire burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obedience towards him? Listen to this, said Samuel, obeying is better than sacrifice. Paying attention is better than fat from rams. That's in 1 Samuel 15, 22. As a result, God shows us exactly how we are to give when he gives his son, that is his only son on our behalf, John 3, 16. He doesn't want a sacrifice, but he wants a sacrificial style of living and giving. Likewise, Jesus shows us how to give when he surrenders, or when he surrenders, of course, to the obedience of God and obediently gives into God's plan for his life, including death on a cross, according to Philippians 2.8. How then must we give? Sacrificially, completely. That's it. Give as if what you have does not belong to you, but it already belongs to God. And ultimately, trust that God will always provide you more of what you need. And yes, even more of what your hearts desire. During this weekend, we celebrate a beautiful thing in this once great country, our independence. Something that was paid at a great price through the selfless giving of many that have come before us. Their combined valiant efforts granted us the right of independence from a once oppressive nation, a, a suppressive government, and independence which all humanity must fight for to achieve. Now, I'm not speaking about some sort of anarchy, but when a government intentionally removes or diminishes the rights such as of, of speech and of worship for the sake of controlling a people, then a people must rise. And in the history of America, a, a country that, that greatly struggled in its beginnings and made many mistakes like any others before, its citizens felt the need to rise against a government that refused to acknowledge them and refused to give them a voice at the table. This led to a long battle that eventually expelled our once uh, foreign overlords, if you will, and granted us the opportunity to establish one of the greatest democracies that have ever existed. Eventually, when this great nation attempted to rectify some of the terrible mistakes that it had made in the past, and yes, I'm talking about slavery, but slavery of black and white and brown and Asian and all people, it led us to a civil war, brothers fighting against brothers for the soul of a nation, and ultimately, those on the side of righteousness defeated the leftist and inhumane views of those on the left, and slavery was actually abolished, giving those men and women and children, as we said, both white and black and Asian and brown, those who found themselves living under forced labor to be free, free to practice the rights of speech and rights of religions and rights to build a life for themselves without the oppression of others and the right to pursue their own means of happiness. Yet, if we touch on the intentional act of sin in humanity's existence, there is really no difference when we're talking about the concept of slavery. We so desperately need to be liberated from its oppressive chains, so drastically need to be released from its bonds of slavery, that we might again seek God, live in obedience to him, and walk in his way. Sadly, I believe this one great country of ours has lost its way. 
And because of sin and willful disobedience towards our God, it has now yet again been overtaken by a misguided and yes, evil leftist perspective. Its citizens are now begun to willfully accept the yoke of slavery, of control, again by, by others for the sake of breadcrumbs. Some are driven by laziness and unwillingness to trust God for their own needs. Slowly but surely, we have allowed sin to creep into our society, into our homes. And sometimes, yes, through well-intentioned means, through social programs meant to help those in need, but factually designed to control the populace. Lyndon Johnson, an ex-president of this country, is, is quoted as having said, after passing great social programs, that he said that they would have those people, those receiving the help, he said, we would have these people voting progressive for the next 200 years. You see, instead, what was meant to help people, it is abused by the government to keep people under control, oppressed, needing to feed on the source only, which is the government. Additionally, additionally, we have gone from uh, expressions of free living to, to, to some parents' unwillingness to raise their children, according to God's word. We've gone from, from passing of laws that, that provide for the legal murder of children to, to removing prayer from our schools to once again enslaving entire generations under the banner of social justice and social programs rather than through the prevention and encouragement of opportunity. We have to provide and let people take advantage of those opportunities. Have you ever heard the saying, give a person a fish and you'll feed them for a day? Or you can teach them how to fish and you will feed them for a lifetime? Unfortunately, many misguided politicians in this country have settled for the giving people stuff part rather than teaching them how to create for themselves so that these people willingly then subjugate themselves to what is given to them rather than go out and work to get the things that they need. Those that get stuff handed to them have become accustomed to these practices where going out and working for what you need is too much to bear. Watch out for those who seek to help you, but truly only want to control you. I'm grateful for my parents because they got me out of an oppressive country, brought me to this land of opportunity, where by God's grace and help, I have been able to work hard and achieve many things thanks to his blessings and not merely by what somebody has been handing to me. Think about that in your own life. Additionally, these days under the false gods of diversity and inclusion and all these silly things, those in power over us seek again to only control and divide, to keep people in boxes, hating each other so that they can come with a solution to the problem that doesn't exist. All in the hope of once again choking away our old desires to be free and instead of seeking God's will and confessing our sins, repenting from our disobedience, trusting in His, his provisions, Sin becomes acceptable while everything godly becomes what is wrong. If you don't see the problem with that, then we got an even bigger problem in our society. We don't need to see another social platform. We do not need uh, uh, more disconnected politicians, men and women who merely enrich themselves through these programs, through selfish acts and meaningless programs, programs that only make us more reliant on a government that doesn't care for our well-being but only cares to keep us content enough that we will forget our God-given right to be free, our God-given right to give ourselves in the service of others. You see, we are currently under a government that tolerates sinful behavior and rebellion against our creator as a means of control, hoping that we will submit to it, the government that is. And yet, my friend, that's not how things are supposed to be. 
Jesus died to pay for our sin wages that we might be free from our disobedience once and for all. Free to show kindness to others. Free to duplicate his compassion in our lives, in our treatment of each other. Free to make a better world for all. Not so that we would dismiss it. Not so that we would dismiss God's act of love and grace and mercy for the sake of a government stimulus. Ouch, that one hurts, right? No. Let us rise against an oppressive one-side government fueled by media and propaganda. And let us rise against an oppressive one-sided desire to control us, to be indifferent rather than whom God intended us to be. Now, this is not a, some kind of a political uh, proclamation on my part. No, I'm trying to point you to the fact that God is the one, the only one that deserves our full attention, our full worship, and not those who give us false things to try to control us. Do you understand the point I'm making? On this day of independence, let us lay a godly foundation to stand up and refuse to live in sin just because the world says that it's okay. To refuse to live under the oppression of lies of misguided governments that seek not to free us to pursue our own happiness, but wants to dictate what happiness is and destroys all those that disagree. A government that invents lies and evil behaviors to refuse us and confuse us and to trick us. <laughs> I live in this great country, and I'm talking, of course, about my own government, but I know around the world, many believers live under similar oppressive governments. And to hear somebody say anything uh, against it, you know what happens to you. And then to hear young people and other people to glorify these, these self-help governments, it is beyond the mind. And how, how can we as believers of God truly become to a point where we accept sin in our lives as something that is tolerable? Rather than cut it out, which is what God is calling each one of us to do. This is not God's will for us, that we live according to the world. And I promise you that it is not God's will for the crown of his creation, humanity. The Bible said Christ has set us free for freedom. Therefore, stand firm and don't submit to the bondage of slavery again. The Bible says you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only don't let the freedom be an opportunity to indulge in your selfish impulses, but to serve each other through love. All the law has been fulfilled in this single statement. We read in Galatians 5, love your neighbor as yourself. We have not been free from sin to go and sin more. No, but to return to the will and purpose of God. Not to live for ourselves, but to follow the commandments of Jesus himself and to serve and love one another. That is selflessness, not selfishness. Christians stop living under the false hopes of an oppressive left of government that produces only poverty and division, enslaves our communities to its purpose, and poisons our children against God's natural law and purpose. Instead, learn to live in the hope of Christ, live by the Spirit of God that seeks to make residence in each one of us, those who repent from our sins. For the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Lord's Spirit is, there is freedom, 2 Corinthians. Let us live our lives by the truth of God and not the remnant of truth in society. Not what society thinks as relevant, but the factual truth of God. God's truth is the only truth capable of setting us free. Free to serve our benevolent God. Not a government that abuses its God-given authority. Oh yes, after all, remember Jesus said, all authority is given to those on earth, given by God. But if they're abusing that authority, it is up to those of us who call ourselves the children of God, to say no, no more. And instead of accepting it, to live out of our freedom, a desire to free others, even from those oppressive situations. To this end, I believe God has appointed uh, me and this ministry 
The scripture says, the Lord God's spirit is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release for the captives and liberation for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and a day of vindication for our God, to comfort all those who mourn, Isaiah 61. We will never achieve our full potential as individuals and as a society until we begin to live by these scriptural truth. Yes, we've gone to the moon. We've invented wonderful things, but there's still emptiness in the human heart. There is still so much missing there that we're trying to fill with other things instead of seeking the only source that can fill that spot in each of us. Then and only then, once we truly grasp what, na what national freedom truly means, freedom from oppression, not an invented, uh, victimized past, freedom from re reliance on those who want to control us, rather than freedom to give of ourselves freely in the service of others. Freedom to preach the goodness of Jesus, a message of repentance, a message of intentional obedience, which is the will of our Father above. Well, it is not too late. If we stand up against sin, against those who enslave us under the wings of their sin, God says the scriptures will hear our prayers and he will heal our land. As we once again learn to live according to his will, then we will understand what it means to be a people who fully give back for the betterment of all. Guided not by government efforts, but by a true Christ-like desire to give all there is of us back to the Father's hands for his honor and glory. In the passage of scripture that we read earlier today, the Philippian Christians or the Christians in Philippi, the name of the city, had learned the secret of joyful financial giving as a direct result of their acceptance of freedom from sin and their refusal to live in contrast to God's will. In this particular instant, the church in Philippi had taken up an offering and sent it out to the apostle Paul, who was currently in prison because of his faith. Because he preached against the freedom from sin and freedom from, from the oppressive governments. Paul, you see, he wrote back to the church and expressed his joy. Joy or his derivatives occur almost 20 times in this letter alone. This is what we want to focus really on the last part of our message for today. And on the joy that comes when we willingly give of what God has blessed us with. So that others too may enjoy freedom from the social programs of governments and institutes that seek to control us and come to find all that they need in the loving arms of God. You see, there is no joy in giving something if we do not understand the hard work behind earning a living or relying on God for the ability to work and to build up resources under his direct provision. Have you experienced freedom from oppression? So much so, so, much so that, that, that you have discovered the joy of, of giving back? This is how God utilizes us by turning us into the hands and feet that he needs necessary to minister to the needy, to lift others out of their depravity and to point them into the blessed relationship that God calls us all to live under. Unfortunately, perhaps uh, too many of us view giving as, as an occasion of grief, as something to dread, an occasion that steals our joy. Yet let us quickly explore how giving can make you a more joyful person. A joy which is derived from a heart of gratitude for God freeing us from our sin and motivated by his own giving to us. Do you understand what we're saying? Paul is in prison and yet he is grateful for the gift that is being given to us. And he is encouraging those folks to be, find joy in giving and in blessing of others, even though he's in prison. 
doesn't matter what we may be today. We must give, trusting that God will bless those gifts. And this is what we read about in Philippians 4, verses 10 to 20, which grants us a remarkable insight into the effects that giving produces in the life of the believer who gives freely due to their salvation, their experience, and as a result of being set free from sin. First of all, the grateful giver gratefully gives because of his freedom. And he will show true concern for those with whom God still wants to share his message of hope. Additionally, this word renew that we find in verse 10, uh, this picture sometimes uh, something that was dead that now is coming back to life. The word sometimes is translated as revive. And again, this word pictures a tree or a plant barren in the winter. But when spring comes, the tree or the plant blossoms with new roots and flowers. The Christians in Philippi have been lacking the, in expressing, if you will, this concern for Paul. But now, with the gift of money that they sent them, they are blossoming anew with concern for his welfare and for the message that he's sharing. Their willingness to financially support Paul's ministry warms his heart and reassures him that he is on the right track. Let me ask you, how are you reassuring those whom are ministering to you? How is your freedom from sin leading you to be a blessing in the lives of others? Giving takes the focus off ourselves and puts it onto someone or something else. Giving becomes a tangible way that we can express concern and love for other people. Do you want to get out of your own head and stop focusing on your own situations? Then focus your energies on helping others and see how God will transform and utilize your issues into a fountain of blessing for those around you. There was a certain rich man who sought help from a wise counselor, and the counselor led the man to a window in his office that overlooked the street below. And he said, tell me, what do you see? And as the man looked through the window, he said, I see people. Then the counselor led the man over to a mirror that was hanging on the wall and says, tell me, what do you see? And the man said, I see myself. And the counselor explained that a mirror is just a piece of glass that is covered with silver on one side. He said to him, no sooner that a little bit of silver is added, that now we cease to see people, and all we see is ourselves. As we focus on the needs of others and give to help meet those needs, we experience joy because giving revives our concern for others. It allows us to get our eyes off of us and see through to those that are in need. Secondly, giving teaches us contentment. Paul did not want this church to give him money, but he found joy in their giving. Paul had schooled himself to be satisfied in whatever he had. He had joy in his life, not because he pursued, his, his purse was full of money, but because he learned contentment. And this very ministry, we never ask you to support it financially. We trust in God's provision for his leading in your heart that you will listen and bless others as we lead you into our partners in our website. Yet we do encourage you to do that, to put your faith into action for God's work around the world that you may experience abundant joy in your life, that joy that comes from helping others. In the Greek culture, there was a group of people that were called the Stoics. These were people who would suppress their pain to ensure their situations or to endure their situations patiently. And they used this word to, to describe self-sufficiency. Paul believed the sufficiency was in Christ, not his purse, not in what others gave him. Our sufficiency as Christians should not be in our jobs, in our homes, our apartments, whatever the things that we own. But it should be in our understanding and belief that God will always supply all of our needs. 
And he tells us as much in Hebrews 13, 5, when he calls unbelievers to be satisfied with what they have, knowing that God will never leave us or abandon us in our time of need. Can you believe that? Paul believed. And he believed that whether you were naked or clothed, hungry or filled, rich or poor, if you had experienced the freedom of salvation and restorative power of Jesus, our Lord, in your life, then you have everything you need. You see, our consumer-oriented society pressures us to place too much value on material things to the point that our joy is based on how much stuff we have. Unfortunately, this approach to life results in, in chronic dissatisfaction. We never seem to have enough. John D. Rockefeller, maybe you heard that name, the early 20th century. He was an industry tycoon, and he had more money than anyone had ever had, more money than he could ever wish to, to spend. In fact, around, it was around $400 billion in today's money. Yeah, he was asked once in an interview, how much money is enough? And he was quoted as saying, just a little more. This kind of desire was not so that he could go and help more people. He wasn't that type of person. But it was driven by selfish desires to accumulate more stuff. In our modern day, we can look at people uh, like, like the founder of Amazon and you know, some of these other super wealthy rich guys around the world that, that they utilize the bulk of their wealth for, for failed programs. Uh, this one guy, what is he doing? He's trying to build a, a, a spaceship into, uh, to, to go to space. Yeah, there's other billionaires that are doing that, but some others are having a little more uh, success than he is. Yet in an interview, he was asked, what are you going to do with $100 billion? And his answer was, I guess I'll put it into my space program. It never crossed his mind to try to help people. I'm not bashing him. Just simply pointing out that when we have a little bit, we always want a little more. And the more we have, the harder it is for us to see the need that is right in front of us. The harder it is for us to see how when God blesses us, he intends for us to bless others. To help perhaps to reshape things around us. There was an elderly man who had learned to live life with just a little bit, not too much. And he watched one of his new neighbors move into the house and he saw one kind of modern appliance and electronic gadget and plush furniture and costly hangings and they kept being carried one at a time back into the man's house. And the older man kind of leaned over the fence and said, hey, welcome to the neighborhood. And he says, hey, if you are ever lacking anything, let me know. I'll show you how to live without it. How do we define contentment in our lives? Contentment is not trimming down your desires. Instead, contentment means living with a sense of God's adequacy, a conviction that God is sufficient for anything that we may need. And when we come to the point that we don't need the government to give us something, right? We can trust that God will provide. Therefore, we can give joyfully to others out of what we have, knowing that God will supply all our needs. And he will strengthen us to go and find what we need. Can a Christian truly and really attain joyful contentment, especially in our materialistic world today? To this end, Paul proclaims, I can endure all things to the power of the one who gives me strength. Therefore, from our union with Jesus comes the strength to learn and practice contentment, to learn and practice joyful giving. Because that's the third thing I want to just mention to you slightly here. Joyful giving is an opportunity for us to partner with God. And that's the wording that we hear from Paul when he says to them that you guys in the church of Philippi, you have partnered with me. 
They had done well to share with him a gift. He encourages. And the word shared, the same word is here, is of, of this partnership. It's also the word used for fellowship. And the word denotes a partnership. Each time we give to the Lord's work, we bless others. We partner with our Christian brothers around the world to help advance the kingdom of God. And that's an exciting thought that should bring joy to our hearts. Christians of all denominations must recognize the importance of partnering with one another. We do this in this ministry by giving and supporting ongoing efforts worldwide and to share God's message, such as, as we mentioned, this, this month we're partnering with Prison Fellowship, or sometimes we partner with local feeding programs or organizations fighting against human trafficking and so much more. Partner with someone. Anytime we shop for a computer, a TV, maybe even a car, we maybe think we, we, we like to get the best return possible, right? We want to get the, the biggest bank for our buck. When we join others in supporting God's ministry, whether it is in your physical church or an online-based type of giving, we are getting the biggest bank for our donation buck, if you will. Because next, Paul reminds us that giving brings about a spiritual payout. Paul makes it clear that he was not looking for monetary gifts for, for his own benefit. Giving blesses the one who gives more than the one that receives the gift. This, this phrase uh, is credited to your account, he says in verses 17 and 18, implies that giving to the Lord is like investing in kingdom matters. Kingdom work pays out spiritual dividends. I know you may be thinking, well, I'd rather have the cash. Yes, but there's bigger things that we need to worry about in life. Giving inspired by the right attitude for the right reasons becomes an acceptable sacrifice, listen to this, that pleases God, verse 18. This language, which comes from the Old Testament, shows us that our giving becomes an act of worship and devotion to God. Sacrifice to God, not of animals, but one that comes from a heart that is full of joy and that truly seeks the righteousness of God. And then, of course, lastly, Paul reminds us that giving helps our faith in God to mature. Verse 19. Perhaps some church members in the city of Philippi had given to Paul's ministry, but were worried that they might not have enough money left to meet their own needs. So Paul gives them and us a great promise to stand upon. He says, my God will meet your every need out of his riches in glory found in Christ Jesus. In other words, do you need freedom from sin? Then Jesus is the answer. Do you need freedom from your worries? Then trust that only the only hope from the word of God. Do you need empowerment to tell others, uh, to tell the world about it? Then hold on and see what God can do with a heart that is shaped by gratitude because of the work of grace that God performs in that life. We will cover more about this in a separate, second aspect of, that we have on prayers and when we talk about it next week. So come join us. Many Christians sit at the kitchen table or a desk each morning with their bills, and they conclude that they have no or little money to give to the church. Putting braces on the kids' teeth, paying for college tuition, buying new tires, repairing the car, getting a new roof. They all appear to be a larger priority than spiritual and financial stewardship. However, let me encourage us all to take a step of faith and give, trusting God to meet your need, you see. Meet our need personally. He meets our need liberally, and he meets our need gloriously. There's a man by the name of Joel Truel, and he tells the story of a, of a primitive tribe located in South America jungles. He was an anthropologist by trade, and he learned that the most important role within the tribe for, for, that, that he was studying was the keeper of the flame. 
fire was a precious commodity to this tribe. And one member of the tribe was entrusted with the responsibility of keeping the flame alive. And during the night, he did everything he could. He stayed awake. He, he fed wood into it just to keep it alive. This was a task that was vital. As we give of our times and talents, and yes, equally important as we give of our treasures to the Lord's work, we become keepers of God's flame. When we do, we help spread the good news of the gospel message. When we joyfully seek to meet people's needs, we also play a role in assisting people in growing spiritually. We enable our churches and ministries to shine as God's light in the world. We are the keepers of the flame. And such privilege should fill the heart of the child of God. Sure, it's great that we can celebrate our freedom today, freedom from tyranny, freedom from oppression, and freedom from our sin. But perhaps there are those in this call that maybe are still living under oppressions. And so our prayers are with you. And we want to hear from you. What can we do? Is there anything we can do to help you along? But I sincerely pray that this realization to be free will lead us also to give freely. Truly trusting in God's provisions. What is your need today? Have you brought it to the feet of God? Can you trust that he will provide for you as you open your heart to his possibilities? A step of faith is all it takes. Are you ready to take yours? Then why don't you do that now as we pray together? Father, here we are taking a step of faith, wanting to believe that because you have given so much, that you have freed us from our sins, that with an attitude of gratitude, we want to give back. We want to give sacrificially, trusting that you will continue to meet and supply our every need. May it be so, Father, for your honor and glory. Help us to grasp these lessons today, that, that we may find great joy, the joy that comes from choosing to give. And when we choose to bless others, rather than just sit back, and take and take. Please help us to be change agents in our communities, in our homes, in our places of worship, in our cities, in our states, more so that more and more people may rise to the occasion and follow your banner of truth and hope, rather simply submit to the oppressions of this world. Help us to give willingly of ourselves, of everything you bless us with, knowing that it will come back to us as we give unto the Lord. For we ask these things, Father, in the precious name of Jesus, he who showed us how to give better than anyone else. Amen. As always, we are so grateful to have you with us and join us in our weekly service. And we pray that you will be motivated to put your faith into God or your faith in God into action. Please visit our website at 217faith.church and help us to spread the word by liking or sharing or clicking notification below here, wherever it is that you may be listening to this message. We're humbled by God's calling in our lives to preach this message of hope and of love and of invitation. And sometimes, you know, we sit here and we record or we make a message and we put it online and we wonder, Lord, is anybody here? And so we pray that if you are listening to this, that you may be blessed and may me move into action. Please join us as together we know we can reach more who really and truly need a welcoming word of grace from God today. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and grant you peace. Until next time, go in the full assurance that God invites you today to give of yourself freely, entirely to what he calls you to partner with him. And as he leads, you follow. As he provides, you give it away for his glory. May God bless you.